Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, we're going to open uh, the Bible together, um, and we're starting a new series. We're going to do four weeks together on this theme. How do I talk to God uh, when he's not doing what I want? Anybody? For those of you watching online, you with me? Okay. Uh, so we're going to do so from the book of Habakkuk. Now, if you're not familiar where it is and you have a Bible in your lap, it's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Or on page 785, if you have a Bible just like mine. Or you can turn to the front of your Bible and use the table of contents. And as somebody said, gosh, forever ago, 30 years ago to me, the more you use the table of contents, the less you'll have to. Yes? All right. So uh, the book of Habakkuk. If you're a user of the Bible app, you can uh, find, log on and find our live event. And um, you can track along with sermon notes and scriptures and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. I want to give you just some historical um, uh, setting for this uh, and then uh, kind of give you a reason why I think the Lord has some of this in, in, our, uh, in our future here. Uh, the, here's the historical setting first. His, um, Habakkuk was a prophet for the um, southern kingdom of Judah, and um, Habakkuk prophesied in the mid-600s B.C., so you can just put that in your mind, like Jesus is born, go the other way, okay? Like 600 plus years. And there's a couple of things happening. Number one, there is international instability, this huge shift, because the Assyrian empire that had conquered Israel and had been the kind of the dominant power on the scene for a while was declining and ascending was the, the uh, empire of Babylon. So Assyria on the decline and Babylon uh, on the ascent. So you've got that kind of international uh, intrigue and instability and all kinds of stuff happening. And in the kingdom of Judah, uh, where God's people were, uh, a couple of things had happened. Josiah, he was a good king. He's one of the guys that you do name kids after. Um, so like he was a good king. He instituted all sorts of reforms. Uh, did some things literally by the book. They found the book of the law and they began to operate according to it. He did great. All was well. Got a little big for his britches. Went into battle and got killed. Wah, 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 right? Okay. Uh, a, a king came along uh, after him who was not a good king. So you have a country um, in decline after experiencing something pretty amazing, powerful, wonderful, that kind of thing. International instability, a country that is beginning um, to decline, go downhill on the hills of this regime change from Josiah uh, to the king that followed. And then Habakkuk has stuff going on in his own personal life in addition to the things that he sees where he's like, dude, God, we got to talk about this. So international instability, country going downhill after regime change, and he's got stuff going on in his own life. International instability, country going downhill after regime change, Stuff going on in his own life. I wish the Bible, I wish the Bible could speak to us today <laughs> about stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I got to be Wednesday night with the students. Jarrett was out of town. And um, I got to be Wednesday night with the students. And so the first few minutes together, I said, hey, man, any question you ever wanted to ask a pastor? And we're scared to ask, like, this is that moment. Like, go for it. We had some 10 or so, 15 minutes. Fantastic. It was so much fun. Um, one, one of the questions was, 
uh, what's the hardest sermon to preach? We had some funny ones. But then when they asked that one, what's the hardest sermon to preach? Here's the hardest sermon to preach. This one right here. Because uh, the, the problem is, I don't like what God's saying to me through this. And now I've got to talk to you about it. Like, God's at work on me through Habakkuk. And now I've got to talk to you. Because I have things that I've been talking to God about. And he's not doing what I would like him to do. I've got stuff in my own life we've been praying about for a long time. And I'm just thinking, hello, it's me again. I'm saying the same things to you that I said yesterday. Any chance there's going to be. So like Habakkuk, I'm looking around and going, God, we've got to talk about this. Um, I'm saying that we need to talk about this because uh, some of you don't have the same experiences that I have or have the same experiences that Habakkuk has, um, but you've got something going on. You've got a medical situation that you need to step into and say, God, I need you to do this. Some of these things that we prayed for earlier. Uh, You've got a vocational uh, situation. We're like, God, I I have missed out on vocational advancement because of this, that, or the other, and I need you uh, to do something about that. Or there's this relationship, the bridge is, is really shaky or maybe even even broken uh, in the relationship and I need you to do some repair work in order for this thing to go or um, God there's there's something else uh, going on uh, regarding my circumstances this particular situation just feels like a hurdle that I cannot get over or there are systems that are out there that seem to be kind of allying uh, them with themselves against me against my family against the things that I uh, care about there are voices that get stuck in my head and get on repeat anybody have this uh, they're telling me things that are, uh, that are not true, and on and on and on. We could just keep going. God, we've got to talk about this. Uh, I, I want to acknowledge, I do not want to commend. Hear me say this. This is not something that I am pro. I, I, want, I do want to acknowledge there is a way that you could walk out of here. Here's the way. You know what, God? I'm done talking about it. I'll back up. I'll distance myself. And sometimes, sometimes when we distance ourselves, that looks like lashing out. You come at it in anger. Sometimes that looks like laying blame at somebody's feet, be it uh, that person over there or your own feet when you carry the shame of that or uh, God himself, God, you're not doing. And sometimes it literally looks like just full withdrawal. People in, uh, there's kind of a word out there that talks about, uh, or a phrase in our uh, cultural vernacular, uh, talks about deconstructing uh, their faith. And this is where some people live with that. God doesn't do what they want. And so they start backing up. They don't like what's happening here. Um, I want to hear, please hear me say this. That's not the best way. It doesn't end well. It leads you down a road that... um, put you in some really bad spots and there's heartache all along the way. My my plea with you is not to go down that road. My plea with you is instead um, to hear the invitation of Habakkuk. Because what the invitation is, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says this, the earth, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
The earth will be filled with the knowledge. The invitation is to intimacy. God made you for that. He wants that for you. And that is what he is inviting you to through Habakkuk and through all the stuff that's going on um, in, in this particular story. And as we talk about it here, you will consistently hear me say, this is an invitation to intimacy. There are some hard things to get there, but man, there, this is an invitation to intimacy. And so um, here, here's where we start is if we're going to experience this intimacy with God and if we're going to talk to God when he doesn't do what I want, there has to be some, uh, some honesty here. I, I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but when I was a teenager, I particularly remember one instance where my mom and I were um, at odds about something in particular. And uh, she was done with her side of the argument. She turned around to do the dishes. I took her silence as opportunity. Here's my case yet again. I'm laying it out. Here are the 10 reasons why this is good. Here's the 10 reasons why you should let me. Here's the, you, might, you kind of go through the whole thing. This is, this is Habakkuk. He is going to, as we just heard in the psalm, Psalm 62, verse 8, he is going to trust in the Lord at all times because there's some ugly stuff right here. It ends in this beautiful, poetic expression of hope. There's some ugly stuff before we get there. But trust in him at all times, Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. And when you are willing to pour out your heart before him, intimacy is the result. God made you for this. It's what he's inviting you to, and it can be the experience that you have. Um, I just noted a couple of things. This is in my own life. Maybe you've got a different list. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not honest with God, number one, because I don't actually know what I think or feel until I say it. Uh, I need to be able to express myself, but I'm not quite sure what's going on up here. So I don't want to talk about it yet. Sometimes, though, I, I'm afraid uh, for if I do say it out loud, like, boy, I'm feeling some stuff. I don't think I want to say that. And, and sometimes I'm scared of what God might say back. If I'm honest with God about this or that, I'm scared of what he might say uh, in return. The, 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 the um, invitation, though, on the other side of our honesty with God is an experience, an invitation to the experience of intimacy with him. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. We get um, to know God as a result. So let's look at Habakkuk's honesty. Chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll just talk about that honesty today. We'll attach a different word to next week and the week after. Um, but uh, today we're going to start with honesty. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? O oh Lord, or excuse me, or cry to you violence and you will not save. Here's the first thing that Habakkuk said. I prayed, you didn't answer. I prayed, you did not answer. How, look how he expresses it. Uh, verse one, uh, excuse me, verse two. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? God, you're not answering because you're not listening. Like, I'm telling you, I'm here talking, I'm here praying, I'm here, I've gathered. When he said, come forward, I came forward. You are not listening. There is no way that I'm pouring out my heart here and you're hearing this. Because if you knew that I was pouring out my heart here, you would, you would like do something about this. I don't know, you've got like your Bose noise-canceling headphones on and there's like some serious uh, Spotify action happening in your ears right now. There's no way that you can hear me because if you would, surely you would do something about this. I prayed and you didn't answer. Anybody? I, I want to take just like half a second detour here. 
Um, I get this question as a pastor, um, and so it's semi-related, but it's not fully related to the text. But sometimes we pray and God doesn't answer because he's just too good to actually give us what we're asking for. In in James chapter 4, I think it's on the Bible app, uh, but let me just, let me... uh, give you here. Uh, th- these are not all the reasons that God doesn't answer, but here's a couple of them. You ready? James chapter four. Here's what he says. Uh, you don't have because you don't ask. Sometimes we don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. Sometimes we don't ask. Sometimes we ask for the wrong thing and God's just too good to give us something that'll crush us. Sometimes we ask for the right thing, but do it with a wrong motive because we want it for ourselves. Instead of blessed to be a blessing, we're just like, just bless me instead. couple of smiles out there. Everybody else looked a little uncomfortable in that moment. Uh, and then, and uh, uh, sometimes uh, we just have the wrong timing on that. God's gearing some stuff up, but he's like, yeah, but if I give it to you now, it's like a, you know, it's like a piece of fruit that's not ripe. You don't want that. It's a really green banana. Let it, let it sit a little bit. So sometimes that's the case. In, in, this, in Habakkuk's case, he's praying and he didn't answer. He says he felt unheard. And then look at, at, at the end phrase of verse 2. Or cry to you violence and you will not save. Not only, God, am I not unheard, but also I am unrescued. I'm still sitting where I'm sitting and I'm saying the whole world is cracking up around me. My, I mean, there's crazy stuff happening. I mean, it, it, this is nuts. And I am unrescued. I thought you were the rescuer. I thought you were the savior. I thought you were the God who does these kinds of things. I'm still sitting here exactly where I've been. The explosions are getting near. The stuff is coming. The flood seems to be, the water seems to be rising. The storm seems to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm still here. What's up? I prayed and you didn't answer. Verse three, why do you make me see iniquity? That is uncomfortably honest to me. Why do you make me see iniquity. I am forced to watch this. Why do you make me see this? I'm looking around and the place is whacked out, man. It is chaos all around me. And you're sitting here saying, keep your eyes open, keep your eyes on this, keep your eyes open, watch this, keep your eyes open. I want you to see this. You make me see all of this trouble. You make me see all of this horror. And look at how he describes what he's looking at. At the end of verse 3, destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. You make me see all of this stuff, all of this breakdown, all of this chaos, all of this um, tension and ugly things. I don't want to look at that stuff, God. But you make me see it. A a couple of kings um, later, Jehoiakim was the king uh, that, that uh, uh, Habakkuk, during Habakkuk's time, Jehoiakim, and then the guy that followed him was a guy named Zedekiah. Zedekiah uh, rebelled against Babylon, and uh, they, the, they caught him, and they conquered him. And the last thing that they did to Zedekiah before taking him off into prison was kill all of his sons, and then they poked his eyes out. This is that. The last thing you see is terrible chaos, sinfulness, wickedness. This is, and God, you're making me watch this. That's pretty honest. In the middle part of verse three there, why do you make me see iniquity? And here's the next phrase. And why do you idly look at wrong? God, you sit there and you watch this and you do Nothing. 
Nothing. Do you care? Do you care at all? Does this move the needle even a little bit? I mean, is there just like an, even an ounce of wiggle in where this thing goes? Because it looks like you don't care. You're sitting there, you're on the front porch, you're drinking tea, you're reading your magazine, and the whole world is going up to hell in a handbasket on a slip and slide right here in front of you, and you don't give a rip. You sit. You watch. You do nothing. Why do you sit idly? Why do you look idly at Rome? Verse 4, so the law is paralyzed. The, the Hebrew word there is Torah, the teaching, like the, the, the things that God wants his word to do, that is paralyzed. It's if, uh, n- nothing wrong with the word itself, but the paralysis has kind of overcome it. There's been a virus that has attacked it. And uh, it has made it to be paralyzed. The Torah is paralyzed and therefore, God, it looks like what you said is not actually true. It looks like when you said this was going to come to be, that it's not going to come to be. That when you said you were going to do something, it it didn't actually happen. When you um, promised that this was going to be the case, this is not going to be the case. It looks like, and we sang a while ago, great is your faithfulness. It looks like we need to maybe take that back. Habakkuk is laying it out, man. The Torah is paralyzed and it looks like you are not true to your word. It is unable to do what it is supposed to do. And church family, when that happens, social consequences inevitably follow. This is not that sermon, but let me just say, remember Jesus said the kingdom comes like a mustard seed. You always start small, folks. Like big problems get fixed by small actions. You want to change the world, go home and love your spouse and raise your kids. Eat dinner together. Laugh a little bit. That's how we change the world. The Torah is paralyzed and social consequences follow. Here they are. At the end of verse 4, justice never goes forth. The world is jacked up, God, and it it ain't right. And it's not going to be right. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked, here's why, for the wicked surround the righteous. The, those people who are intent on doing evil have leveraged their capacity, has, have leveraged their position. They've leveraged everything that they have to do, to get what they want. And wicked people want wicked things. They never want good things. Wicked people want wicked things. So the wicked surround the righteous. And so justice goes forth perverted. I thought he just said justice doesn't go forth. That's right. Justice doesn't go forth. What does go forth is perverted justice. God's word is paralyzed in the people of God. It doesn't do what it's supposed to be doing. And the social consequences look like there's a lack of rightness in the relationships, in the structures, in everything else. Justice goes nowhere. Nowhere. Can we just have a second here? Does Does that sound pretty honest to you? That is terrifyingly honest. I, I think, hey, God, um, I, I'm here and you're not listening. It looks like you're just sitting by, letting this thing go crazy. It looks like you're not true to your word, and the whole world knows it. That's pretty honest. Uh, that kind of honesty, though, doesn't set God off. Some people think if I were that honest with God, then he would go, listen, I, I got a lightning bolt with your name on it. And you'd be done, right? Just ashes. They wouldn't have to cremate you or anything. You'd just be right there. They'd be like, sweep him up and move on. Like, but that's not the deal. That's not how this goes. 
I, I, I will say, can we just pause for just a second? I will say, you will notice Habakkuk is not being a brat. He's not walking in to, to the throne room of God and going, I, I, I. this is not that at all. It is thoughtful. It is clear. It is, I mean, burdened. It is coming out of his heart. Psalm 62, eight, we read it just a moment ago. Trust in him at all times and pour out your heart. God is, I mean, Habakkuk is before the throne room of God and just pouring out his heart. And some people think, I don't think I have permission to do that. Listen, Habakkuk says you got permission to do that. There are Psalms that are packed full of language just like this. Entire Psalms where they're like, God, you have got to do something here. They pray crazy stuff. And God put it in writing so we'd see it. This is not... To step into this kind of honesty, I promise you, will increase your intimacy with him. One more time, there is a road that will lead you away from God to withdraw from him, to lash out at him, to lay blame on him or others or yourself, to push you away from God, to distance. But listen, you don't have to go down that road with all the consequences and heartaches of that. You can step into this, um, into this moment and be honest with God, and God will not look at you and go, oh my goodness, I didn't know you felt that way. It is an invitation to intimacy, and our honesty with him precedes that kind of intimacy. It is reverent, it is heartfelt, it is all of those things, but it is very honest, very honest. And when we're honest with God, church family, you need to be ready for God to be honest back. That's part of the intimacy. Here I am, God. I'm going to be honest with you. You need to be ready for God to say, good, let's talk. Pull up a chair. This is what happens. Chapter 1, verse 5. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe it if told. Can we just pause for just a second before we read anything else? Habakkuk 1, 5 sounds amazing all by itself. Like if you print that bad boy on a coffee cup, oh man, you'd sell a ton of them. Oh, look among the nations and see, I'm doing something that you wouldn't believe if you were told. I'd better be like, yeah, we love this stuff. Problem is Habakkuk 1.5 falls in the middle of all of this other stuff. Of Habakkuk like vomiting in front of God. Well, hey God, it looks like da, 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 da. And here's the rest of it. Verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. If you're not sure who the Chaldeans are, you can write out beside there, the Babylonians. So the things that God's doing among the nations that that is going to blow Habakkuk's mind are not uniquely good. (laughs) Like it's not going to end well for some of these people. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, this bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. So here's God's reply. Here it goes. You ready? I'm going to raise up the Babylonians in order to punish Judah's sin. God, it looks like you're doing nothing. Oh, well, pull up. Chips and salsa, good? Fantastic. Did you get enough to drink? Oh, good. Okay, so I'm going to raise up this new empire, and I'm going to use it to punish the uh, people of Judah. I'm going to use it to punish their sins. Cool? If you're going to be honest with God, you've got to be ready for him to be honest back. But that's a very intimate exchange right there. That That is knowing God. Look how he describes these folks right here. 
Verse 7, they are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. So they're the, only, uh, um, they're the only arbiter of that right there. Their horses are swifter than leopards. I mean, I don't exactly know what that means, but that seems pretty bad. More fierce than the evening wolves. And again, one more time, maybe the morning wolves are particularly nice and the evening wolves, not so much. I don't know, but like it sounds bad. Um, uh, and, and, and their horsemen press proudly on. The horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. So here's what he said. These are terrifying people. They got horses and that are eagle-like and they just come trampling over you and they're worse than the evening wolves. They are terrifying. Verse 9, they all come for violence. Not most of them, all of them do. They all come for violence. All their faces forward, meaning towards the battle line. They gather captives like sand. They just pick you up and grab you. Off you go. They are terrible people, man. These are not nice folks. And lastly, verse 10, at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. They pile up earth and take it. There's no safe place. That's what he's saying. Then they sweep by like the wind and they go on. Guilty men whose might, whose own might is their God. Meaning what? They are amoral altogether. You can't count on them to be moral about anything at all. They are immoral. They are going to absolutely blitz this place. Habakkuk, God, it looks like you're doing nothing. God, Habakkuk, I'm glad we're talking. There's some bad stuff coming, my man. You need to know. It's terrifying. And these people are amoral. I'm going to use Babylon to punish Judah's sins. Why? Because... He's God. He can do that. Number two, uh, because Judah needs it. Like the evil represented in Babylon just gives us a picture of where Judah is spiritually. And it's a useful tool for him to do so in that moment. This is God's reply. Habakkuk was honest and God was honest in return. Sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we don't like what we, God would say in that moment. Sometimes we wish God would be like, oh yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. Sometimes he does do that. Sometimes though, it's very, very different. You need to be ready for that honesty uh, in response. Um, Here's the part that I don't want us to miss though. When God is honest in response, that tells us in this particular response, that tells us two things. Number one, God is at work even when we can't see it. If I'm trusting in him at all times and I'm pouring out my heart before him and I'm being honest with him, God, here's what I see him. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I am pleading with you for. Here's what, here's what, here's what. God is at work even when we can't see it. He is working to bring about his appointed end so that the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Okay. And so this is not something uh, that God takes lightly here. He is at work even when we can't see it. And secondly, there are times when God will use evil to punish evil. Now, we've got a different word coming next week. Habakkuk takes issue with this. But today, the honesty question, the honesty invitation for intimacy means there are times when God will do stuff that you're like, man, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's using Babylon to punish evil. Using evil to punish evil. This is not the only time. I mean, you just think, ah, what kind of God would do that? This is not the only time. He's at work, even when we can't see it. Sometimes he'll use bad things to punish bad things. Here, this is Peter in Acts chapter 2. 
Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, the signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Here's the italics. Don't miss this. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed um, by the hands of lawless men. Don't miss that. God used the evil in the religious establishment of the day, and he used the evil in the Roman establishment of the day, the Roman uh, governing authorities of the day. He used that evil, that lawlessness, to do what? To bring salvation to you and to me. By crushing sin, by crushing death, by crushing the shame that goes with it, by this particular expression of evil, he then destroyed evil. Listen to me. This is God, and this is the kind of thing that he does. And our invitation is to be honest with him about these things. And then we get to walk, we get to walk forward into intimacy and see some of this. And the end of the story goes like this. It ends with hope. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it wasn't possible for him to be held by it. It wasn't possible. So, he's at work, even when we don't know it, even when we don't see it. And secondly, there are times when God will use some really crazy stuff to accomplish exactly what he wants. It was true in Jesus' life. And so, here's the invitation today. We're going to give you just some quiet moments to be honest. Some of you got some things that you need to say to God that you haven't said to him yet. And when you do, you're not going to throw a fit. You're not going to be a brat. You're not going to stamp your feet and clench your fist and talk through gritted teeth like this. You're just going to be honest with him. This is what's in my heart, God. I know it doesn't surprise you. And you will take a step towards intimacy. You just might hear him say, hey, I'm, good. I'm doing something here. Just hang in there. I'm doing something here. Hold in there. It's going to look a little crazy. Just hold in there. The invitation today is to talk to God when he's not doing what you want. If you're not a follower of Jesus in here, you're watching online, and you're not a follower of Jesus, the very best thing that you could say is, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. And you can be that honest with him as well. If you need to close up, feel free. If you need to keep your Bible open, that's also good. Let's take a moment and set whatever you need to set before God. Just be honest with him. Maybe you need to say some of the things that Habakkuk said. Maybe you need to say some different things to him. But we'll give you a moment of quiet so that you can be honest with God. And when you are, you will be invited to intimacy with him. my sense of things is that this is a really holy moment for some people. So I will not dishonor it with a bunch of words. I pray for them just like I pray for me. Whatever they're processing with you, whatever they're saying out loud to you, in these moments will lead to greater intimacy. It may not change a thing in our circumstances. God, I pray that this honesty would change a lot in our relationships with you.
Thank you for Jesus. Who makes all of this possible. And we pray in his name. Amen.